0: When you look in the mirror, who do you see? The simple answer is yourself, but if you were to really peel back those layers, what would be there? Today, I sit down with Dr. Brent Hogarth to discuss just that, who we are, how we transcend and evolve our sense of self, and really, how do we navigate the most prevalent addiction in America, workaholism. This is episode 172 with Dr. Brent Hogarth. You're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, founder of Forever Athlete and your personal flow coach, helping you optimize your life one conversation at a time. We're going to get super in-depth and nerdy with it today with Brent, so grab your notebook, grab your pens. You're going to want to take tons of notes. Let's dive into it. Ladies and gentlemen... Welcome back to another episode of Forever Athlete Radio. You are in for a treat today because we got the smartest guy I know, Dr. Brent, in the house. Episode 43 was when you were originally on. I have no idea what number this will be when we release it. I want to say it's somewhere in the 160s. So it's been a while. Let's start there. How the heck have you been since the, I want to say, year and a half, almost two years since we first sat down?
1: Yeah, thanks, Corey. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, hello, everyone else that's listening in on this, Corey. It's been a a joy to see your growth, uh, Forever Athlete impact moving forward, and uh, love those TikTok videos, brother. So keep keep it up. You're entertaining me. You're inspiring us all. So uh, respect. Yeah, a lot's been going on, obviously, for for a lot of people. Um, you know, over the last two years, my research understanding sports psychology, is really dive deeper into the humanities studies, really understand humanistic psychology, um, understanding the deeper nature of, of human motivation and the further potential we have to explore as individuals, as athletes, as teams and organizations. So I've really dived deep into Abraham Maslow's work in understanding uh, self-actualization and really the sixth step that's very much unknown, this possibility to transcend the self um, which is what he called our highest motivation and really going deeper and deeper into understanding how to transform workplaces to become uh, you know training grounds for what we call the corporate athlete Um, I think when we think about the biggest impact we can have um, in the world as psychologists as coaches Um, certainly athletics is one of those domains, but we also all work, right? So learning how to bring in positive psychology, flow state and mindfulness into the workplace is just a really exciting kind of adventure I'm on right now, kind of developing my own programs and curriculum and getting into, uh, more and more of this, uh, this corporate space here. So yeah, lots has been unfolding, man.
0: Dude, I, I love it for, for reference, when I think you were one of the first people that introduced me to the idea of flow and understanding that this was something that I could actually go and study more of. So a lot of like why I'm here today is because of our conversation years ago. So I want to acknowledge that first and foremost, you you mentioned something there, the corporate athlete, and I'm familiar with that term. Do you mind just defining that for someone who's listening in that is like, yeah. what do you mean by that like my athletic career is done i'm retired how do i become a corporate athlete
1: yeah great question and so we can think about you know the average knowledge worker is kind of the contrast of the corporate athlete unfortunately mm. if you look at the statistics of how we're working what we all determine is the way we're working isn't working people are chronically burnt out they're stressed out and, and why that is we're doing duplicate work. We're spending or you know, consistently distracted. I think some of the stats says we check emails around 36 times per hour. Not every day. Uh, you know, we obviously know that we're often you know don't have as much flexibility around our hours or have the autonomy we need. So, what a corporate athlete is is someone who's shifting from this kind of average sorry average knowledge worker identity. To someone who trains in their uh, career like an athlete would, meaning that they consistently build in active recovery throughout their day. They're leveraging their greatest strengths just like an athlete would in, in their career. They have autonomy and flexibility around how they're training and they eliminate distractions. They become kind of single-minded focus on what is it that they're competing against and really moving towards uh, you know, finding flow by managing distractions really mastering attention management and so they kind of developed this identity of you know similar you know and i'm so excited again to talk about this with you um, on the podcast because this is really what the crux is is how do i think of my work as i would an athlete and how do i train consistently and recover effectively so that i'm not just performing in the moment but for the long run and what we know as a corporate athlete it's actually can be quite more difficult than just being a professional athlete. Professional athletes, you have off season, you have training and practice. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a a startup CEO, you're kind of on 24 seven. So there's almost Mm -hmm. an increased need to have this kind of intentionality around how you're training and and performing.
0: Yes. Intentionality is the the word that always comes to mind. Whenever I hear the word athlete, right. You got, Two of the greatest behind you, for reference, if you guys aren't watching the video, Brent's got uh, Jordan and Kobe side by side, iconic picture behind him. And when I see both of them, I see the epitome of not only discipline and all of those fun things, but intentionality, right? Like Kobe, there was a intention behind every shot that he put up, whether it be in practice or in the game scenario. And for some reason, we lose sight of that when we shift gears, when we shift that identity away from the formal athlete setting into the startup CEO or into the entrepreneurship or whatever it may be. How do we not forget about it? What are some of the ways that you found to not forget about it?
1: Well, let's, let's just build on that a little bit because it's a great point. So when we think about flow state, and so for folks listening, if you haven't really heard that term or I've just defined it a little bit more. So flow, commonly known as like being in the zone, being locked in, in the pocket. It's those moments where people typically kind of perform and feel at their best. And so what we know is that exactly as you said there, Corey, is we need an intention. If we can think most simply, flow is when we have order in consciousness. There's kind of structure to the way that we're thinking. We need an intention in order to orient our actions, our thoughts, our emotions all around. So certainly bringing that intention uh, is just a key kind of uh, focus. And so to to build on to that, when we talk about flow, there's kind of three main prerequisites that help reinforce this uh, focus on attention. So first, having clear, specific goals we're moving to. We need to know the target. And that's a great thing about athletics, I'm going to kind of go back and forth between the corporate world and athletic world. When you step onto the field, you step onto the court, whatever it may be, right as you cross that boundary, there's clear goals, you know what you're there to do in the corporate space is what am I trying to learn, what am I trying to execute, so there's clarity of goals, the next prerequisite to finding flow and defocus is developing uh, immediate and relevant feedback. So as an athlete, again, you got the fans, you got the score, you got the ref, you got your coach, your teammates, all of them are providing you feedback, which reinforce, okay, which direction do I need to go? How am I doing? So you don't need to think about it consciously. You build in these feedback mechanisms so you can almost let go of the sense of self and just allow your intrinsic ability to perform to come through. So mm-hmm. clear goals, immediate feedback, and the, and the golden rule of flow and we can get into a lot more of these flow triggers, is this balance between our skills and our challenges. And we often hear this, and I'm happy to dive deep into this today, but this is essentially saying that in order to get absorbed into the moment, we need to be using our greatest skills and they need to be matched with a challenge that's almost slightly beyond our skill level. That's why, you know, the best athlete likes, likes to compete against, you know, a team that's at their best too, right? It, it brings out the most of us. And similarly in the corporate space, it's not a lot of fun to compete against people that, uh, you know, aren't a worthy c- competitor. So finding that challenge skill balance is, uh, yeah, again, the, the kind of golden rule of flow. So those are a few ways to build, build intentionality. And we can definitely get into uh, a lot more here.
0: Yeah. I was about to say that last one's my favorite. I mean, you know what I've been diving in with my own paperwork of looking at heart rate variability as it relates to that challenge skill sweet spot and looking at how that can be a metric to measure, does this move the sweet spot up and down based off of a moment-to-moment day-to-day basis, um, which we can dive into more. But what I actually want to really double-click on there is when you were explaining the immediate feedback and you had mentioned the sense of self that sort Mm -hmm. of dissipates oftentimes. We see that as a byproduct, and correct me if I'm wrong, in flow, right? Like Mm -hmm. some of the most powerful flow states that people can experience, they totally lose who they are and they just get embodied in the action. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that, oftentimes isn't it like a deeper sense of self is developed Mm -hmm. as a result. How is that related towards this concept of transcendence that you're now shifting your research, your research towards more recently here?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in keeping the conversation kind of around this as, as much yeah, as we can. let's as do as it. As be fun. this is we can go deep here. So <clears throat> first of all, we know that if you think back in the peak moments of your life, so those listening, think back of those moments you were in flow or you felt uh, you're performing at your best. take a moment here. What you'll probably recognize is that in those moments, you're least self-conscious, right? It's it's Mm. so ironic that the moments that we feel perform best is when the self is gone. And so there's a great benefit to that. We'll get into the dark side of the loss of self-consciousness, but just recognizing that as a, as a truth, what we can dive in deeper. And this is what Maslow really focused on is that when we find flow or these peak moments, we get, to um, what he called an Olympian perspective of life, we see deeper truths that we might not see from our typical perspective. Uh, we start to um, kind of look at reality differently. And what he what he was really pointing at is when we transcend the self, we drop our defenses. Right, this need to be seen in you know. Uh, confident or powerful or seen as, you know, beautiful or handsome or whatever it may be, when we're able to drop those defenses, uh, we're able to transcend to another level kind of our ability to be authentic. To get absorbed into the moment, and to really express ourselves authentically. And that's the beautiful thing about sport. It's a microcosm for this kind of path. We see athletes when they're in the flow, uh, you know, just with so much joy or just expressing themselves so authentically and almost primal uh, because they've been able to drop a lot of those defenses that unfortunately the self gets so focused on trying to protect and trying to uphold. And so, um, yeah, I'll pass it off to you and you can build on that and, and let's keep kind of going deeper yeah. into stuff with itself here.
0: Yeah. I, I love how just observing your behavior, right? Like when you were starting that, just closing your eyes and, and really feeling that moment or those moments where this has happened to you probably in your life and tapping into it. I do the same thing. I love just taking a second to pause and really think back and it is really fascinating. So with the work that I've been doing, exploring how, sport can be this microcosm, like catch 22 in a lot of ways, like you said, where this is, I guess, more leaning towards the dark side result of flow. It's this playground oftentimes for someone to play around and explore that sense of self, discover who they are, build their confidence, shed the ego, and just like show up authentic, which I think is a word that gets thrown around so much these days, especially on social media, but that's a whole nother point. Um, it's this catch 22 because it allows us that. So then when it's stripped away from us, whether it be forced retirement, injury, or just we have to move on, it's that next chapter. We're kind of left feeling like, okay, well, all my worth was tied up into that. How, how would you really tackle that uh, that challenge, I guess, or that dark side of flow? Because it obviously has benefits to it, but yeah. we get locked out in a lot of ways too, <laughs> on the other yeah. side.
1: Yeah. So what Maslow is really pointing at is that when we're in these moments of flow, we shift from a psychology of doing mm. to a psychology of being, right? And, and so in a being state, what what's re- what he's really hitting on there is that in a being state, we do things for the pure sake of doing them. So and moments become ends in and of themselves as opposed to means to a future end and so when we think about an athlete or we think about someone who's now retired and, and in a new career how do we continue to stay engaged in the process itself we hear it over and over and over again mm. but that's really what we're talking about is and, and a nice way to think about this for an athlete that's transitioning is what were the values you're able to actualize Uh, as an athlete. Maybe it was hard work. Maybe it was courage. Maybe it was uh, self-expression. Maybe it was connection, teamwork. So if those are the pillars that someone found, you know, the most meaning in their values, the ways of being, of showing up, it's a, you know, it's a nice transition to say, okay, these are your North stars. Let's, let's look at this new playground you, you have here. And how do we create behaviors that allow you to stay authentic to that deep being of, of who you are, your, kind of, your core nature? So that's, that's where I would typically kind of point an athlete towards. But there's a, there's a nuance here that's important to look at. And so we learn as, a, as an athlete, as a professional throughout our life, different rules that really work in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that you learn a lot of rules around, you know, let's say competition. And now as you shift into a new context, what we always have to do is say, okay, are these rules still working, right? So mm-hmm. we, we have to be able to transcend the identity and the, the rules that really worked well in that context to, to have the kind of the willingness to, to be, take on that beginner's mind again and, and to see what what rules would be more appropriate in this context? And it's a everyday challenge. We can get caught up in old old identities and when we get angry or frustrated or, or hung, angry, uh, we'll get caught up in those old rules and what we. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. And we can keep, keep going from there.
0: Yeah. I, I love that. It went there um, because I read something today actually that someone was like, Growth really is a result of being able to sit in the pain of the lesson, but know when to let go of the pain and when to move on, when to like change the rules now into your favor. You know what I mean? It's we see it oftentimes, I think, in the imagery of the athlete that was the high school star football player and 15, 20 years later is now at the local bar just drowning out of sorrows, being like, hey, remember when we won state 20 years ago? Like, that was the best moment of my life. It's like, yeah. all right, dude, like, let's take the lessons that you learned 20 years ago and transcend and apply to here and let go of the pain because you're holding on to a lot of stuff that isn't serving you anymore. One of our mutual friends, Nick Paggs, taught me this concept of the to-be list versus the to-do list, which I think really aligns with what you were just saying. And what it was, was really this idea that our ways of being should be running the ways of doing. So taking a second to set an intention of how do I want to be when I show up on this podcast, when I sit down with you, what ways do I want to show up rather than, well, what do I want to do on this podcast? And ironically, it's like, if I can really narrow down that way of being, if I just want to be present, I want to be open. And honestly, I want to learn. I want to learn from you because I know you're a wealth of knowledge. I know that it's going to be a much more powerful episode than if I were to sit here and be like, "Well, I have these 20 prepped questions, Brent. Like, let's go here, let's go there." Um, all of that to say, I, I do, I see the power of the be versus yeah. the the do. There, how does and someone so, unlearn so, that no, though?
1: Yeah. So just to add one more thing there, yeah. there's a there's a thing to know with finding flow, and that's you know, and, and, you know, high performance and whatever it is your listeners, um, engaging, whatever their craft might be, is that we can build in all the strategies, all the habits, you know, get those 20 questions for the interview lined up. And then when it's time to actually perform, right. If we consciously are trying to get locked in and find flow, it's going to keep us in our head. It's going to keep the self front and center. Because we're trying to do something for you know the self that's you know it has inferiority complexes. It's trying to build itself up, and so there's this final step to finding flow that I think oftentimes can get missed in a lot of this personal development landscape, which is uh, this final need to surrender and and, mm. and transcend the the desires of doing into the the openness, as you said, the willingness to just be, and and I think that there's interesting research on the importance of acceptance or surrender and um, so I just want to kind of under underscore that because uh, it can be very easy to get caught up in the rules to follow just like you know as an athlete you learn all the skills you need to do but then when it's time to step on the field or that that ball is getting tossed to you to catch on the, in the football field um, one has to let go of the the outcome they're trying to achieve and staying, you know, open to the process of of how that ball might feel when it first touches
0: their fingers there. So. A lot easier said than done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just get out of your head. You'll be fine. Like it will just happen. It will be good. Okay. That's all it's ladies and gentlemen, it's that easy. Just (laughs) let go of the expectation. Um, The biggest thing
1: the biggest, you know, I think a, a helpful way to do it is. And this is pulling from, you know, Eastern wisdom traditions is to always come back to what is the benefit of what I'm doing here going to be for other people, right? If we think about our highest motivation um, through all these uh, motivational theories, it often and and certainly in Buddhist philosophy, it's how can I be of benefit to other people? So if we want to transcend the self consciously, intentionally, you know, thinking about the, the meaning for another person Can be a good way to kind of yeah overcome the self and you know I'll reference a couple of things here because we've gone around my dissertation a little bit. So found out you know the dark side of losing a sense of self, being in flow is that you can lose the your awareness of your long term goals or values. Right when the self is gone, you're just engaged, you're absorbed, you're performing at your best, and so you know you might do things that aren't considering the long-term consequence so backing up moments of flow whether it's in sport or flow and you know in business with very self-conscious moments where you're taking a moment to reflect to analyze Mm. and to reset you know what the intention is for the next next landscape once um, entering I think is a is a, a kind of the yin and the yang of maintaining high performance and overcoming some of the potential dark sides of uh, transcendence even. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was about to say it's, I always look at this like ebb and flow, right? Like there's going to be that high of we're catching the the wave and then there's going to be that low. Of, well, the, the wave came crashing down as well. Yeah. And it's in those moments, like right after the wave has passed, taking a second to pause and assess how, how would you recommend someone go about that reflection period? And what are maybe some, I guess, prerequisite question to that? What are some maybe two or three signs someone could maybe key in on to say, oh, hey, maybe I should implement some sort of like revision or film session where they're looking back and reflecting on what just happened?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we got this uh, Kobe picture back here. And remember, he had that show uh, detail, Mm. right? The the intention to detail that he put into and his kind of process of watching film. So some signs first to know, oh, wait a second, maybe I should develop some more self-awareness is high-risk behavior, um, lashing out on other people, any kind of um, instances of addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol or high-risk behavior. uh, That could even be high-risk behavior in your sport or in business, kind of if you're finding yourself feeling overly confident and taking risks uh, that might be jeopardizing the long-term your long-term health or business success, I think that's, that's a moment to you know, back in some moments of self-awareness. Um, so addiction, high risk. And then I'd also say those moments, if you catch yourself going from those highs to those huge lows, when you're not in flow, when you're not performing as an athlete, that's a good indication that perhaps there's been a, a misattribution of what brings happiness here. And, and it's not the achievement in, in the sports or in, in the business. It's actually just being fully present in, in the moment there. So it's very easy to misattribute uh, peak performance is what we're what we're wanting and take that as the refuge we want our life to be around. And in doing so, we kind of get into this trap of beating the hell of ourselves when, when we're not in it. And so that would be my kind of first... Uh, assessment and then how how to work with that it really for me comes down to emotion regulation uh, what we what we tend to find is that people don't achieve their goals because they prioritize a certain way of feeling over their behavior so when someone is you know an athlete and they're let's say retiring and starting a new a job might create some anxiety some disappointment that tendency to just want to control and get rid of those emotions that's going to keep them fucking stuck in their head and out of taking the action of just getting to the job, seeing how I might be and continue to grow. So the ability to have acceptance and willingness to burden our emotions and not get caught into our head and trying to manage those is, I think, one of the, you know, the hallmark first principles approach to continue to grow and uh, yeah, find flow in a new career. Yeah. You
0: know. You're bring me back there, man. That's like you just described what I went through my first year out of sport was exactly that of like I wasn't willing to let go of that stuff. So I sat in a, a much deeper funk um of anxiety and depression and turned to alcohol and all of those other things uh to try to drown that out, which I've found very well, I wouldn't say very quickly, uh, but thankfully I found over time that the answer doesn't lie in that. The answer lies in myself and I have to pause and process long enough to let that answer show up and it's it's amazing how that that can happen right when we allow that space for things to our intuition our sense of self whatever you want to call it allow that to speak it speaks and it actually tells you what you were looking for the whole time. (laughs)
1: Was there a moment for you where, where you had that clear insight? Was there a specific moment where you recognized, shit, I'm getting into my head here. I got to let go of these defenses.
0: Yeah, yeah it was for me. I, so I got asked, this is about nine months into my, I was refinancing mortgages uh, was my first job. And I was about nine months into that. I got asked randomly by this family that I used to teach swim lessons to years ago back in college if I still lived in the area and if I could teach the kids swim lessons at the club. And I was like, I live in Baltimore. The club was just outside of DC kind of a commute, but something inside of me told me to say yes to that. And before I knew it, I had, I was making more money on just working Sunday, teaching lessons, all private swim lessons all day to not just these kids, but all these other kids that and families that had heard that I was back coaching again and I was like wait a second why do I care what other people think of me I was worried about the perception of others about what they would think if I said I'm a swim coach like full-time that's I'm a swim coach like I went four years of university I have this degree and I'm a swim coach and Mm -hmm. it took me a while to really like get okay with that but there was definitely that breakthrough moment where I was like who cares? I'm a swim coach. Like swimming did this really cool thing for me. And it brought me to all these new places. It brought me to new people. It brought me to opportunities like this. And without it, I don't know where I would be. So I want to just be that introductory introduction for other people to experience maybe something similar. They don't have to take it to the level that I took it to, but if they are water safe and they have fun, that was my like goal. And that was my like. Aha, moment, like it's bigger than me. Let me help these people out too. Yeah.
1: As you just share that, I'm curious. Uh, what comes up for you as you just kind of reflect back on that moment, that story there?
0: I mean, a lot of it is just like even now, years later, I feel like a release intention and just like viscerally in my body, I feel myself letting go of that perception of others. And then what I've noticed in my progression since then it's literally just been a series of that over and over again like every time I go to try to do something new when I went to go start this the show like two and a half years ago the biggest hurdle was well what's the perception of others going to be when I put this out who's going to listen to my voice coming through their earbuds right now and now to think that we're over 30,000 downloads two and a half years in like that's crazy to me. Absolutely bonkers. And I just get the biggest smile on my face thinking about that because I'm just like, why did I not start sooner?
1: Yeah. So there's two motivations that Mazo really spoke on that I think articulate this, this kind of process yeah. here unfolded or gone through and that we all are constantly going through. And it's, we can either be driven by our deficiency needs and I'll get into that or our growth needs. And so our deficiency needs, you know, when we're, when our lens, our perspective gets clouded by needing to really secure up a sense of connection or safety or self-esteem, everything in our life becomes like a, either a tool to try to get us to, you know, secure that safety, let's say, or, or a, a threat, right? So maybe you know, this podcast could be a threat of how other people might, uh, uh, you know, judge me or whatnot, or, or maybe this could help me. And, and so there's a moment there where, What happens when we're clouded through this deficiency uh, motivation is that the self becomes very present. And Mm -hmm. what happens when the self is present, that's when all our emotions are are coming to the forefront that pull us out of being able to, to take action so often. So the shift to growth motivation is exactly as you just said there, it's having the courage, the bravery to Um, for sure secure up a healthy level of our basic psychological needs of connection, self-esteem, but not get overly rigid in trying to continue to build those up so that we can move towards, you know, what Maslow called our deepest higher-level needs of uh, adventure, of exploration, of purpose, of love, of self-actualization. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you kind of sharing that story. And, you know, one of the things I just want to thank you for is – We know that, you know, emotions and flow, let's say even courage is contagious, Mm. right? And so your ability to articulate that, you know, each and every podcast uh, through even just this concept of the forever athlete, breaking that paradigm of thinking one is no longer an athlete, I think is, uh, yeah, it's doing us all a a great benefit. So congratulations on the two and a half years here and uh, keep it up, brother.
0: I love it. Indeed. thank you seriously and i love the breakdown of it as well uh that you're able to give on the other side you can articulate it in ways that i i like intuitively kind of feel but don't under fully understand as well which i think is the coolest part there um and i or, think oh the, sorry i'll
1: let you finish your sentence but after yeah. i' would love to just jump to talking about happiness for a minute so sorry i'll, I'll let you keep going though
0: yeah i was about to say let's let's go there in and, and just one say, one of the things that i just thought of you said earlier uh of this shift from really like a means to an end and correct me if i'm mispr- mis. yeah so as, an as, as, the
1: shift towards the psychology of being moments become ends in and of itself as opposed to means to a future end so what that means mm-hmm. right is we can we're fully here right now I'm. Um, mm-hmm. this is all i'm thinking about I'm not trying to get to somewhere else so I can be in present. I can get absorbed, find flow. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Where, where, where I was going with that was when you talked about forever athlete, breaking the paradigm and that shift there, that's exactly what I hope the listener and, and the people that connect with the brand and the, the podcast really embody is it is this ever existent moment. You know what I mean? I will be really present here. It's no longer a timeline of like, there's this deadline, we have to hit it, life's over if we don't hit it, which I think could shift well into talking about happiness, right? Like, have you seen people's happiness increase with their ability to transcend the self and just explore and get into that higher level of self of just adventure, fun, playing loose, No pressure, just show up and be present.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to kind of take a step back a little bit and just talk about how we can understand happiness as a general concept. So there's really interesting research in positive psychology that breaks down happiness um, in three categories. To know what is actually trainable. How can we change our level of happiness? And how might we not be able to? So some of the research suggests that up to 50%, some even suggest more is is fixed. They call it like our happiness set point. So this is genetic, this is early life, life, life experiences that just kind of set our blueprint to our, our kind of our baseline level of happiness. And then the research suggests that about 10% of our level of happiness is based off our circumstances. So circumstances could be where we're born, um, our our age, our our level of income, um, all these different things that uh, we don't necessarily have kind of immediate control over in the moment there. Uh, And then so that leaves us 40% of what they say we can change in our level of happiness through intentional activity. All the things we talk about here and and you do a great job sharing positive psychology basics, uh, gratitude, mindfulness, kindness for other people, you know, having a sense of purpose towards achieving one's goals. So when we just talk about happiness, I think it's important to recognize as an athlete transitions from their sport to their daily life, they might find themselves falling back into this kind of baseline mm. over and over again because they're, they're they might not be engaged in those kind of um, those intentional activities that you would as an athlete to better your exercise you know to exercise to get fitter to practice being connected to others and grateful for how the training session went so when we just talk about happiness it's important to recognize that we do have this baseline and there is this kind of hedonic adaptation that as we get some sort of achievement we're going to fall back to that level baseline but if we keep pushing this envelope which kind of comes back to that challenge skill balance and flow we can at least continue to grow it but just to be aware that um yeah happiness can also be fixed in some regard and, and we have to kind of um you know travel the dark night of the soul there to to accept where we're at uh, genetically as well as important you know
0: yeah, does doing the inner work and like trauma healing and, and therapy and all of those fun things as as exciting and I'm sure enticing as they sound to people, right, when they hear them, does that have any impact on the forty percent that's like genetic inherent or just it's yeah. kind of it is what it is, it's there.
1: Yeah, no, and the the research suggests no. So that therapy is part of that kind of forty percent that we can change, and that's really around cognitive reframing is like an intention that we can do, or a practice we can do, or reframing each moment. But we might still have those. If we're talking about trauma, those those flashbacks or those memories that, you know, again coming to Maslow in this transcendence, it's about. Accepting and owning all of that—it's about mm. embracing it. No longer needing to protect ourselves from the reality of how painful it can be, and that allows us to feel whole, to feel integrated. And so, um, yeah, therapy is kind of part of that forty percent. Um, and I want to just maybe share a personal story. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Uh, like, like us all, we have our own insecurities, right? Our own um, things we wish were different about ourselves, uh, our own weaknesses. And when we're driven by deficiency t- and protecting our consciousness from acknowledging those, we can feel very much so alone, right? Mm-hmm. We can feel very much so separated from others because we're in our head. And it's such a painful place to be. It's, it's unbearably painful. And so what happens in trans- in moments of transcendence is because the self dissolves, we naturally merge with other people and we start to feel our, our shared humanity with others and really develop that sense of, of courage. So when I started being honest and open about some of my own insecurities, I felt so much deeply, so much more deeply connected with others. And as a result, I was no longer trying to protect myself from acknowledging those mm weaknesses of me and it just helped me grow so much more and and then you own those things in your life and you're no longer owned by them and so I just yeah I wanted to highlight that because I think it's something we all have our our issues and being able to to own and share those is actually a great power and uh, so many people get caught up unfortunately trying to deny them right
0: yeah I mean I think that's the the power of vulnerability is uh that the kids would be calling it these days in the the personal development world right but um (laughs) I I really do think there's something so powerful in showing and sharing your your full hand of cards with someone or a group of people, whatever that level of comfort is. It's going to be different based off of everyone's experience and where they're at in life. But I think there's nothing more powerful than doing that. And then you, if I were to do that and you were to look at my cards and say, holy crap, we have the same one. I never <laughs> I never met anyone that had that same thing happen to them. And a bond is formed, a a connection is formed there. And all of a sudden that burden that not just you were carrying, but I was carrying as well alone just feels that much lighter because we know that, hey, there's at least one other person and odds are if there's one other person on this world going through it, there's probably at least a few thousand people that are feeling this way. That's why I'm always very, I try to keep it very real, try to keep it very open, very I don't want to say very vulnerable because I think that has a negative connotation to it, but just open and honest for people and be like, Hey, check in. How's your heart feeling? It's okay to share that whatever that is, because you never know who it might help in the same process and you'll feel better as a result of it.
1: Yeah. Well said, Corey, you know, so, and, and to kind of double down on that, to take it to another level of depth is to recognize when someone does make a vulnerable moment and how it makes you feel right. It's very easy. You know, I think you probably have a lot of coaches or managers or, you know, whatnot that listen to this. And so much in our life, we talk about content. We talk Mm. about goals, practices uh you know whatever it might be and so shifting the conversation from the content of what someone's being vulnerable vulnerable about to the process like what's what's unfolding between you and me right so just Mm. in you sharing that i felt a a certain like the deepest moment of connection with you i felt my sense of self gone right Mm. i felt connected in this ocean of our shared humanity and kind of unity in our consciousness we could even say and and so Taking the conversation, you know, intentionally from the content to the process really helps us transcend and and stay in in the good stuff, in the here and now, right? And and to stay there, I think it's really can be helpful and really connect our friendships, right? So, you know, just for listeners, if you have a friend that opens up about something, you know, as opposed to saying, you know, right on or, you know, I appreciate you sharing that or trying to give them advice or whatnot, just acknowledging well, you know, I, I feel like, like I really want to be able to help you right now because you've shared, you know, something that's really difficult for you and just sharing the process or, or, you know, what's, what's coming up for you as you even share this vulnerable challenge for you in this moment and just trying to stay in it. Right. We, we so quickly want to, again, get out of that difficult emotion and not go to the depths of, of our shared humanity where so much of the beauty is. So I, yeah, I just appreciate the moment we had there. And um, yeah, I guess I have a desire to keep staying there in our relationship too, moving forward.
0: Yeah, man. It's funny how you can pick up and feel that over Zoom, right? You know, we did, we did our first recording episode 43 over Zoom. uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that was early on in the whole Zoom days of people were getting used to this platform and understanding what this is. And, you know, fast forward nearly two years later, the fact that we we are seeing that there can still be deep ingrained connection, conscious connection, even if it's just virtual, you know what I mean? Like I've told uh, this story on here before of, again, our friend Nick Pags, he was living in Brazil and he, I hired him to be my coach for pretty much all of 2020 into 2021. And I had this opportunity to go to Brazil. I had never met the dude before. I never mm-hmm. met his his lovely wife, Bia, either. And they were like, come stay with us for 10 days. Like, mm-hmm. this is totally bizarre, right? Like, I'm going to travel all the way. I'm going to travel from LA to Brazil, show up on their doorstep. And it was the best 10 days ever. And it wasn't weird for a second. Like, the moment we saw each other for the first time in person, it was like mm-hmm. old friends. And we never met in person before. But we had spent so much time. Doing this kind of stuff, like just having this level of conversation, so that when it did happen, it was just like, oh, yeah, another day. This is great. It finally happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Well, one of the things, you know, I'm going to go a little bit philosophical here. Yeah. Um, when we ask ourselves, who are we? Right. I think it's a question that we often come to. An interesting way to ask that question is, uh, who am I not? Mm-hmm. And so in Vedanta, kind of yoga philosophy, they say, well, Uh, I'm not my thoughts because I can observe those. I'm not my emotions. They come and go. You know, I'm not my body because say I lose my hand, I I still can feel a sense of wholeness and, and who I am. So what we tend to find is, you know, we follow that question, who am I? It's better to ask, who am I not? And when we negate all the things that we recognize we're not, we come to identify that we simply are right? We simply are this awareness. We're simply are this sense of I am. And I think that that's somewhat what we're hitting on in moments of transcendence, of deep connection. It's dropping the defenses, dropping the self that's always trying to put itself above others and say, I am that. Mm -hmm. And it's a shifting to this simply I am. And in those moments, that's where we perform our best. It's where we feel our best it's where we can do the best as an athlete, it's how we can grow, it's how we can, you know, achieve the goals that we want by simply getting out of our own way and letting go of those defenses and uh, the self that we can be so, so attached to trying to protect. So um, I imagine you felt those moments with, uh, with Nick on the calls and that just is a thread throughout the relationship.
0: A hundred percent. You know, I feel that you know, when we connect as well. So I want to acknowledge and appreciate that. And, you know, one of the questions I always ask on here is, well, who who am I speaking with beyond what you do for a living? Um, and I think you sort of answered that in the, in the best, most philosophical way that we've had answered on the show. Um, was there anything you would add to like, how would you describe who Brent is beyond beyond being a psychologist (laughs) or whatever else job title you want to use
1: yeah give me a second to think about that um who else is brand beyond being a sports psychologist you know it's uh it's a fascinating question talking about it or being asked that question during a podcast where I'm somewhat talking about what I do right so there's a there's a part of me that wants to step back and um, share that I'm a fellow traveler I think that's what I would say I'm a fellow traveler along this journey uh, with everyone else here and I'm trying to figure it out uh, as much as everyone else is I'm insatiably curious about kind of going on this adventure and and understanding the the depths of our potential and new ways and old ways of how to you know fulfill our our, our full human potential and reach the further reaches of our you know possibility and so yeah'm a fellow travelers is, is what I'd say a fellow a fellow traveler Ho- hopefully a good one here That's... And I want to be someone people can count on I think it's a the, the big piece I've I've always for whatever reason Corey I've been the type of person that when there's danger, I've always moved towards it, mm. uh, whether it's, um, you know, fights and in, in parties or bars or things happening on the street, whatever it may be. I, I don't really shy away from from danger. I'm one that, uh, you know, I. For better for worse i'm attracted to it so i feel like i'm a i can be a fellow traveler that goes into dark scary dangerous places with people and uh i'm gonna show up and, and not back down for them and yeah in that moment
0: beautifully said beautifully said man i i love that and i've definitely felt that in our relationship you know what i mean being able to text you and be like hey look this is what i'm i'm interested in researching in, and you're like here have you looked at it from this, this, this angle? And next thing I know, I have 10 more papers that I'm reading and five books that I just ordered on Amazon. It's an expensive, you know, ordeal being connected with you. I keep spending more money on Amazon bookstores, but hey, we're here. Uh, Brent, I just want to acknowledge you, man. Like I said, you're a wealth of knowledge. I know every time that we connect, I learn something new. So I want to appreciate that. And I want to speak for the listeners, anyone tuning in right now, and I'm sure they can, you know, double down on that statement as well, that they learned something new today that they can hopefully implement into their life right now. I want to ask you the fast five, which are going to be just rapid fire, one sentence, one word answers before we wrap here. The first one is what's your go-to podcast that you're jamming out to right now?
1: Lower Research Collective Radio.
0: Great choice. Great choice. And the sometimes cameo guest uh, host appearance fight you on there, right? Oh, you bet. I love it, man. Number two, what is your go-to book that you've read in the past year?
1: Uh, transcend the new science of self-actualization by uh Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman. And check out his podcast too, uh, the psychology podcast.
0: Yeah. I love it. It's on my bookshelf. It's the next one on my list, actually. Um, number three. See what I'm talking about? You just yep. encourage yep. me to get some more books here. Um number three, what's a quote that you live by? The first and greatest victory is to
1: conquer oneself.
0: Mm. I love how on point how on brand you are with all these. Number four, what's something you can't live without?
1: Hmm. Um, that's a great question. What is something I can't live without. I can't live without the sense of connection that I have deep, deep within my, psyche to family to friends to colleagues that gives me the courage to take big risks in my life i can't live without knowing that they have my back even if they've passed or whatnot just that sense of deep kind of that lover's rock so to speak where i can Mm. jump from it i can't do much without that sense of confidence i get
0: from from others yeah that trust man is is beautiful Beautiful. Last one. Number five, if you could sum up your focus right now into one word, what would that be?
1: Transcendence.
0: Mm. I love it. I love it. Brent, this was a pleasure, man. I I thank you for your time for coming on a second time. I'm sure we're going to have a third, a fourth, fifth. It's just going to keep going, man. Uh, Where can those connect with you that are listening in right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Corey. And uh, I look forward to future future talks. So my um my biggest focus where people can connect to me is LinkedIn and Twitter at the moment. So just Brent Hogarth uh, at LinkedIn, on Twitter, personal website, BrentHogarth.com. My, my main focus right now is a, um, I'm really a sports psychologist, again, for these corporate athletes so my focus is really on linkedin helping professionals overcome stress overwhelm burnout and you know perform and feel the rest so my focus is in this kind of business world right now so if people are startup ceos or entrepreneurs or transitioning into new levels in, into their corporate uh, and professional life it's uh what i love to work on is this balance again of how to do their best put all the things into place to find flow and then how to surrender and uh Uh, learn how to be so that they can step into flow and enjoy uh, their life outside of their work and profession too so yeah those would be the best places you can also download my uh, ebook on my website the dark side of flow uh, Mm. how to master uh, self-control as a high flow uh, athlete
0: powerful read right there too ladies and gentlemen take him up on that please connect with brent Brent, again, thank you so much. If you are tuned in, remember you're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio where together we go far, share this with a friend, family member, teammate. We're going to grow further together. Again, Brent, thank you for your time and let's flow on, my friends.
1: Respect, brother. Thank you.